Well, we're at the last Sunday of the month. This Sunday had five uh, weeks in it, and so we have a fifth uh, opportunity to study about walking with God. And today we're going to uh, look at some Old Testament examples and cover some, some new ground. Hallelujah. Our theme scripture has been from Genesis 5, 22, and Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah 300 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were 360 and five years. And Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. Now that doesn't mean in a negative sense. That meant his walk was so close, God decided to take him out of this world. And that's what we want to focus on this Sunday. Walking so that we are ready for God to take us out of this world. Because it doesn't matter what else happened in your life. If you miss this next great event, all of what you have done will have been in vain. Amen. The reason why I'm here is because I want to walk so close to God that when he decides to call for everyone to be out of here, I hear my name. You hear your name. Amen. So we're going to look very closely today at the other example of someone who walked with God and God took them, and that is the prophet Elijah. Amen. We're not told too much about Enoch, but we're told a lot about the life of Elijah. We know that Enoch walked with God and God took him, but the other person that God took for a special purpose was Elijah. So we're going to looking. We're going to be looking this this week at Elijah, walking with Elijah. Malachi 4, 5 says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet. And here's the interesting thing, because it says, Before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Meaning, just as how Elijah was taken, it's a symbol for us, if we walk with God, that we will also be taken. That is my hope. Someone asked me the other day, How, how soon is it? I don't know, but I know it's soon. It's sooner than it was last year, sooner than it was five years ago, amen, and it can't be soon enough for me, amen. So we're going to look at the prophet Elijah and his life a little bit today because the Bible said that God took him, and not only that, a lot of people knew it was going to happen. It was not a surprise. The Bible tells us that the sons of the prophets knew and people around him knew that this event was going to happen. Just like today, people have heard Jesus is coming. He's going to be rapturing, taking people out. And yet, only Elisha was ready to walk with him. Only Elisha was ready to, to make the sacrifice to keep up. Amen. Second Kings chapter 2 and verse 1 says, And it came to pass when Elijah would take, when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind, that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. See, this was a known thing. People around knew something was about to happen. Amen. And Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here. Wait here, I pray thee, for the Lord hath sent me to Bethel. And Elisha said unto him, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. He knew something was about to happen. Listen, if you know God is coming back, you know what you need to do? Is to stick close to him. You be in church. You be praying. You be fasting. The world will tell you, stay here. You can, you can take it easy. Elisha, oh no. 
<laughs> I know what's about to happen. And you made me a promise that if I see you, I'm going to get the double portion. If I see you when you go, that I'm going to get the double portion. So I'm determined. I am determined. I'm going to stick exactly wherever you're going, Elijah. Elijah, I'm going with you. Elijah, Elijah said to him, I think he was testing him. He said, listen, I'm going to Bethel. Anyone know what Bethel means? The house of, the house of God, Bethel. Bethlehem, house of bread. Bethel, house of God. He said, I'm going to the house of God. Why don't you stay here? Oh, no. David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Elisha said unto him, as the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they went down to Bethel. You know, I, no, I won't even go there. <laughs> you know, if I say some things, people think I'm talking about them. No, I, I'll, I'll, I'll reserve it. Now the sons of the prophet were at Bethel, came forth to Elijah and said, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he said, Yea, I know it. You don't have to tell me I know it. That's why I'm not leaving his side. Elisha was going to walk with Elijah. Do you understand that we have to walk with Elijah? Because the name Elijah means, anyone guess? Well, I'll tell you later. We'll think about it. So, yeah, you, you know it's got God's name in it. Well, we're going to get to it. Amen. Elisha was determined he was not going to let Elijah be going around without him. Because he knew something was about to happen. If you knew something was about to happen... You see, that tells us how much we believe or don't believe because we, we behave and live our lives as if we got plenty of time. Plenty of time. I know that I'm living supernaturally. <laughs> I know I'm living supernaturally. When I think of, of the near misses and, and almost near death things I've had in my life, I know God has preserved me for a purpose. Amen. Let's look at Elijah's time because it was a time of wickedness. There was wickedness in the kingdom, amen? 1 Kings 16.30, And Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord above all that were before him. The king was doing some terrible things. The Bible says that up until Ahab, he, he became the worst king uh, that was there. And it came to pass as if it hadn't been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, that he took to him to, to wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Zidonians, and went and served Baal. He stopped worshiping God. He started to worship things that were politically convenient for him and went and served Baal and worshiped him. And he reared up an altar to Baal in the house of Baal and he had built in Samaria. This was the time he was living in. Elijah's time was a godless time, similar to what we're living in today, a godless time. People say things with their mouth, but as the Bible says, their heart is far from me. They say, I love God. They say, I'm a Christian, but their works, their actions don't support it. Amen. Amen. You see, if we're going to walk with Elijah, we're going to have to do the things of Elijah. Amen. First Kings 17.1, and Elijah the Tishpite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Habeb, As the Lord 
God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. God used Elijah to bring some judgment on Israel because of Ahab and his wicked ways. And God brought a famine because he stopped the rain. What does rain represent? Blessing. Blessing. That's a terrible thing when God withdraws his favor from your life. When he withdraws his protection and his blessing. So Elijah means my God is Jehovah. Elisha was walking because he wanted with the, to be with the name that represents my God is Jehovah. In other words, he was walking symbolically because Elijah was his God's representative with God. You understand that we are called to walk with God. He came from a, a small town called Tishbe in the, in the region of Galid, which means witness. Witness. That's what we're called to be today, to be a witness. You know, they've said, is there enough evidence to convict you of being a Christian? Could they bring you to court and prove you're a Christian? <laughs> Could they have enough charges uh, to, to prove that you're a, a Christian? Amen. Elijah's time was a time of wickedness. It was a time when everyone was doing their own thing, when everyone uh, worshipped all kinds of gods except Jehovah. Amen. And it was a time when they were killing the prophets. You want to be a preacher then? You don't, uh, I'm not sure if so many people would have wanted because they were throwing you into prison and doing all kinds of things. In Luke chapter 11, verse 49, uh, Jesus said, Therefore also said the wisdom of God, I will send them prophets and apostles. In the Old Testament, it was prophets. In the New Testament, it's apostles. And some of, some of them, sh they shall slay and persecute. Luke 11.50 says, And the blood of all the prophets which was shed from the foundation of the world may be required of this generation. Mark 1.2 says this, something very interesting. As it is written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. I've said so many times that the church today is in the spirit of John the Baptist, who was in the spirit of who? Elijah. Amen. We are supposed to be the ones preparing the way. Amen. So that God can take us out just like he took Elijah, that he can take us out. But it means to walk. Hallelujah. It means to walk. Now I'm going to go in a little bit depth about Elijah because he had a very unique ministry that God would take him out of this world. And he operated in a certain way. Most of his uh, ministry you could characterize in the four elements, and I'll explain what I mean by that. He operated in, in four elements, and we're going to look at that. Second Peter one twenty one says, For the prophecy came not in the old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. When Elijah was speaking, it wasn't just because he was making it up. It was because the Holy Spirit moved on him to make an utterance. Now the first element that Elijah moved in, you could say, was fire. Second Thessalonians 1 7 says this, and fire represents what? What did I put up there? Judgment. Because fire burns up. Fire is going to destroy. It's only something that can come through fire is going to remain. It's only something that is able to withstand 
a fire is going to remain. 2 Thessalonians 1.7 says this, And to you who are troubled, rest. Remember our, our, our topic on Bible study? Rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. In flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of our Lord and from the glory of his power. Fire represents judgment. And that was in his early part of his ministry. That's how Elijah operated. He operated in the ministry of fire. If you remember uh, when they, there was a challenge of who was God. And they took these, these bulls and they put them on, on, a, on a big altar. And the prophets of Baal, 400 prophets of Baal, started to call on the name of Baal. And they did that all day. And nothing happened. <laughs> nothing happened. And, and, and Elijah was starting to make fun of them, saying, maybe your God is asleep. <laughs> maybe you need to shout a little bit louder. Maybe you need to make some more noise. Now, I'm all for rejoicing, but understand, God doesn't need you to be loud for him to hear you. Now, I'm not knocking, you rejoice, but rejoice because of you. Not because you're trying to wake God up. Because the God that I serve never slumbers nor sleeps. So Elijah then made a very simple prayer. And what came down? Fire. I'm trying to illustrate some four elements that, that Elijah operated in because we understand of the two people that are mentioned in Scripture, he was the second one that God raptured, that God took out of here. And so we want to understand his ministry. So the second thing that he, that he operated in and that we see is that there was a wind, a breath. We see that God operates in these four elements too. In Genesis Chapter 2 and verse 7, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. So we have fire, we have the wind, and the, the third element I want to bring forth is dust. Now you, you may say, well, what does that have to do with, with how God operates? Well, first of all, the Bible spe speaks about us being what? Dust. He created us from dust. And in the Old Testament, dust, secondly, after, it, after it, 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 it's mixed with water, represents man. But dust usually represents worship and supplication. When someone was, was very um, troubled, they would put on sackcloth and ashes, and then they would cover themselves with ashes and dust. It is an element of worship. Philippians 2.10 says, And at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. Many years ago, I preached a message that said, Bow down now or fall down later. <laughs> you can either voluntarily kneel now to the King of Kings or Lord of Lords, or you're going to fall down later. Amen. Isaiah 49.23 says this, And the King's shall be thy nursing fathers and their queens thy nursing mothers. They shall bow down to thee with their face towards the earth and lick up the dust. Because where is dust normally found? 
on the ground. And so that's why it represents worship. Because in the Old Testament, the symbol of worship is you would get down and prostrate yourself in the dust. Because from dust thou art, and to dust thou shalt return. So the symbol of dust was actually worship. That's what we are, our whole bodies were created to do. Was to give God what? Praise and worship. It says, they shall bow down to thee with thy, their face towards the earth and lick up the dust of thy feet. Thou shalt know that I am the Lord, for they shall not be ashamed that wait for me. Amen. In, on Tuesday night, I've got a Bible study. I'm going to be teaching about that. Genesis 37.10. What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and thy mother and thy brethren indeed come down to bow the, down ourselves to thee to the earth? This was Joseph. Again, what I'm showing is that symbolically in the Old Testament, after dust is mixed with water, it represents flesh. But dust by itself represents worship. When we get down into the dust, that was what it was speaking about. And here, uh, Jacob is saying to, to, to Joseph about his dream about them worshiping. He says, shall we bow down ourselves to thee to the earth? In other words, to the dust. Now the fourth element, and I'm going somewhere with this, we've covered... Fire, breath, dust, water. <laughs> yes, water. And we said before that water represents what? Blessing. There shall be showers of blessing. Amen. John seven thirty eight. He that believeth on me. Do you believe on him? Do you believe on him? Because if you do, it says, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. In the Old Testament, when it speaks about living water, it's speaking about water that is flowing. It's not speaking about stagnant water that doesn't flow. It's speaking about something that is continually replenished, continually made new. Jesus said that if we were to believe on him, as the scripture hath said, because a lot of people believe on him, but not as the scripture said. They just believe on him the way they want to believe on him. But if we believe on him as the scripture hath said, the Bible says, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Now, in Isaiah 45 and 8, it says, you heavens above rain down my righteousness. So water in the Old Testament always represents blessing. No wonder when we get baptized, we go down into water and not just a little philip the uh, when he met the ethiopian eunuch they were riding in the carriage and the ethiopian eunuch, eunuch said here is much water wasn't a little uh, it wasn't about sprinkling a few drops no i want all of god's blessing you dunk me you cover me amen you heavens above rain down my righteousness let the clouds shower it down. Let the earth open wide. Let salvation spring up. Let righteousness flourish with it. I, the Lord, have created it. Amen. So that fourth element is water. Now, what I want to show you, I've given you some descriptions of these four uh, elements. And now I want to show you how Elijah was a very unique prophet because he operated at different times in his ministry using these four elements. Amen. Amen. So the first thing we saw is he withheld the rain because of Ahab's sin. He, God had told him, 
there shall be a famine. I'm going to withhold the rain. And without the rain, the crops could not grow. And so for three and a half years, there was a famine in the land of Israel. Amen. First Kings 17, 1. And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. He didn't really, it wasn't a long prayer. It wasn't, it wasn't a, um, a, 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 a 24-hour um, prayer meeting. You see, sometimes the way we operate is very different from the way we think God wants us to operate. Amen. It was a very simple prayer. And you know what? The Bible says that the fervent prayer of a righteous man does what? Availeth much. Sometimes we think it's in the long prayer, but not. It's just a prayer of faith and in alignment with God's will. So we see the first major um, action of, 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 of uh, Elijah was in the element of water. Because of Ahab's continual sinning, and not just a little bit, the Bible says he was the worst king up until that point. There was one king worse than him, but up until that point, Ahab was Israel's worst king. He did such terrible things. Of course, you, you know he had Naboth killed and stole his vineyard, and then he was worshiping these false gods. And so God told Elijah, I want you to go to Ahab and tell him what I'm going to do. So he said, before the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew or rain these years. God withheld the blessing. In Scripture, this particular prayer of Elijah is called a fervent prayer. And yet, it wasn't very long. Now, at the end of the three and a half years when God was going to lift the curse, he had to pray seven times. And God did not call that one a fervent prayer. So it's not how much you pray, but it's, it's, it's in the faith and direction that you pray. God, God hears us the moment we start to ask. In fact, he knows beforehand what we need. We just have to get in alignment with his will. Amen. Let's go on. Now, the, the second element that he operated in, which I showed before, was fire. And I spoke about this. Ahab got so mad at him and Jezebel got so mad at him for doing this that they sent a whole platoon of soldiers to go and get him. Let's read the story. 2 Kings 1.9 Then the king sent unto him a captain of fifty with his fifty. And he went up to him and behold, and he sat on the top of the hill and he spake unto him, Thou man of God, the king hath said, Come down. And Elijah answered and said to the captain of the fifty, If I be a man of God, then let fire come down from heaven and consume thee and thy fifty. And there came down fire from heaven and consumed him and his fifty. You know, in the New Testament, I told you that Jesus supernaturally protected the disciples. That's why he told them while he was on earth and when they were doing their ministry, they didn't have to take anything with them. Just go boldly. Don't even take a sword. Don't take no script. You just go because you're under my... I have given you authority. Amen. Elijah said, listen, if I be a man of God, then let fire come down from heaven. And of course, that's what happened. 
and you know the king, being stupid, sent another 50. <laughs> and the same thing happened to the next 50. And he sent another 50. But at least this captain was smart. He said, please, be merciful. We have no choice. We're just in this army. They, the king made us come, but would you please not kill us? Amen. And Elijah was merciful. Now, we're going to see something interesting about the fourth, the, the third element. Remember what we said before, water and, and fire and, and breath. You didn't remember that Elijah did a miracle where he breathed. That's Elisha. All right, you're getting close though. Amen. First Kings seventeen seventeen. And it came to pass after these things that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, fell sick. And his sickness was so sore that there was no breath left in him. Maybe he had an early form of COVID. I don't know. In verse 1721, she sent for the prophet Elijah. And he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord my God, I pray thee, let this child's soul come into him again. And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah and the soul of the child came in unto him again and he revived. So you see that Elijah is operating through these four elements. You see that he commanded that it didn't rain and it didn't rain. He commanded that fire come down and fire came down. He commanded breath return into the child and breath returned into the child. So you know what the fourth one is? What did I say the fourth one was? Dust. And dust represents worship. Worship. Amen. Let's look at that. 1 Kings 18.41 So you see, at the beginning of, the, of the, the famine, he commanded that it didn't rain. To get it to rain, though, at the end, he had to worship. He had to worship. Amen. 1 Kings 18.41 And Elijah said unto Ahab, Get thee up and drink, for there is a sound of abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to, the, to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel. And he cast himself down. Where? Upon the earth, in the dust. Sometimes that's what you got to do, you know. I remember I was going through a, a trial. Um, it was probably, probably, let me see, when was it? It was uh, 19... 84, 1984, and I remember going down into the basement of the house. I wanted to get as low as I could, and I lay down on the carpet. Sister Brownie doesn't even know about that. <laughs> I might have said it before, and I just did what Elijah did. I just, I just stretched myself on the carpet, and I said, Lord, you see the situation. You're going to have to do something, and you know the Lord did something? When we humble ourselves when we will get down on our face and worship God does something he cast himself down upon the earth and put his face between his knees and he said to his servant go up now look towards the sea and sometimes the first time you pray nothing may happen but he didn't give up and he went up and he looked and he said there is nothing 
And he said, go again, seven times. By the third time, we'd have gotten up and said, okay, I quit. Seven times he prayed, this time. The first time, the first time he didn't even really have to pray. He just declared. What I'm trying to show you is you can't put God in a box and say God has to work the same way every time. No, he he is God. He decides how he's going to work. And sometimes he uses our lives and our circumstances to teach us something. To teach us something. So we learn something, right? The first time he declared it, it's not going to rain. It didn't rain. This time he had to worship. He had to get down on his face. And he had to pray seven times. And it came to pass at the seventh time that he said, Behold, there riseth a, a little cloud. Like a man's hand in Elijah said, okay, we better go. It's about to rain. It's about to be a downpour. It hadn't rained for three and a half years. See, he got down and he worshipped. So what I'm trying to show you is the secret of Elijah, because the Bible said that he walked with God. And Elisha knew about that. He says, I'm not going to let you out of my sight. Right? And his name means, my God is Jehovah. When you're walking with Jehovah, and in the New Testament, of course, we know who that is. Jesus, Yeshua, which means he shall save. Amen. We worship a God whose name is he shall save. Hallelujah. He is our deliverer. Amen. And it came to pass the seventh time he said, Behold, there rises a little cloud of the sea like a man's hand. And you know the story. There was a downpour and the, the famine and the, the weather was changed. Amen. Hallelujah. That's what we have to do. Psalms 95 verse 6 says this. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. In my message in second service, I'm going to tell you about three secrets. I'll tell you one of them now. One of them now is humility. You want God to move in your life. You want a change. You have to bow down. There's no big me or, you know, there's no ego with God because he is our maker. You want something from God, you humble yourself. Amen. You bow down. Elijah, in this instance, he had to worship. The difference between Saul and David was one was a worshiper. One put God's worship before anything else. Hallelujah. Now, there was something that God wanted to show Elijah. Up until this point, he was one of these, as they say, fire and brimstone, right? He was, he, there was no gray. There was either black or white. When, when, you, when you did something, he was going to call down fire upon you. Amen. But God wanted to show him something. And he brought him to a point of frustration. There will be a time in your life when you face some frustration. Where everything you have done doesn't seem to work. And all the things you have done, the results don't seem to be what you would like. And you've, you've poured your heart into it. That's what hurts, you know, when you pour your heart into something and, and it's still like nothing happened. And you start to say, I wonder if, if uh, I was doing any good. I wonder if there was any value. Was it all worth it? Elijah got to that point when he was threatened by Jezebel and decided, you know, Lord, look at all I've done. I've done so many things in your name and the people are still not believing I might as well give up. I might as well you take me now, Lord. I just want out of here. <laughs> I just want out of here. 
And you know the story. He went out into the desert. I went under a, a, a tree and just lay down and said, Lord, take me. <laughs> just take me, Lord. I'm done. Amen. Just take me. But God wouldn't take him because his ministry actually was really just beginning. Elijah, I want to point out something to you. Although he was in the Old Testament, he is figured so much in the New Testament because there was a change in his ministry at the event at the juniper tree. An angel came down and made him some food. Isn't that interesting? An angel came down and, and, and cooked him some food. That must have been some good food. The angel said, get up. Get up. You need to eat. You're going on a journey. You need to eat. So he ate and cooked him another one and said, get up now. You're ready to go because you're going on a journey. And you know the story. He went all the way in the wilderness, all the way to this mountain. He went all the way to Mount Sinai where many years before God had given Moses and the children of Israel the law. And God wanted to show something to Elijah who was operating in all these very basic elemental forces. He said, go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent all the rocks like a tornado, and the mountains and breaking pieces, the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. What was, what was God trying to tell Elijah? What was he trying to show? See, Elijah was one of these Old Testament prophets, as you saw, that when they sent the soldiers, he, he didn't think twice about calling down fire. Right? He didn't think twice about this. After the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. I've said many times, God is trying to speak to us, but we won't be quiet. We got so much noise in our lives, right? That we're not listening to what he's trying to say. Last week we talked about being at rest. One of the keys about being at rest is you're quiet. I don't see anybody who's at rest who's just flailing and jumping and making a lot of noise. No, that's not what I think about when I think about rest. What I think about when I think about rest is I'll get in my massage chair. <laughs> Turn it on to, to, to massage and just sit there and just be quiet. Sometimes God says, I want you to just sit in my chair and be quiet. So you can really listen to what my heart is. Elijah, you've been doing things and I've been letting it happen because you're my servant. But I want you to really understand who I am. I'm not really about burning up people. That's not really my heart. I'm not really about, you know, making people uh, die. That's not my heart. I'm not in the earthquake. The Lord was not even in the fire. But after the fire, a still, small voice. Amen. A still, small voice. Now, what this represents is a change in Elijah's ministry. If you study his ministry after this event, he no longer went about calling down fire on people. In fact, most of his healing ministries happened after this event. Amen. Now, we're talking this, this month about walking with God. 
walking with God. And I want to contrast that. I'm going to jump to the New Testament. We're going to come back to Elijah, but I want to contrast that with something very interesting. Amen. Just before Jesus was about to be raptured, they went by the town of Samaria. They came to Samaria, and he sent his disciples to prepare for Jesus to go visit the town. And the people said, well, you're welcome as long as you're going to stay with us, but we know usually you're just passing through. And if you're just passing through, well, we don't want you to hear. And the disciples were mad. They went back to Jesus and said, let us call down fire. <laughs> you know, sometimes we get mad at people and we want to call down fire. But what God was showing Elijah, that that was not his heart. That was not his heart. And it came to pass when the time was come that they should be received up. See, this is similar to the time when Elijah was going to be received up. He steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem and sent messages before his face. And they went and entered into the village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. And they did not receive him because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, wilt thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them, even as Elias did? And he turned and rebuked them and said, Ye know not what manner of spirit ye are of. In the Old Testament, God allowed the prophet to do that. But in the New Testament, we're in an age of grace, unmerited favor. God has been so merciful to me, despite all of my failings and my faults and my disobedience. I can say it. I've been disobedient. There have been times when God wanted me to do something, I didn't do it. And other times when I should have done something and I didn't do it. But yet when I have repented, when I have come to him, he has been merciful to me. He has been gracious to me. Amen. It says, for the Son of Man is not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. The walk that Elijah had in the Old Testament is not the walk we can have today exactly. We can't be calling down fire on people. As I said last week, we are not called to pronounce judgment. That's what God was trying to show him up in the mountain. Elijah, you did those things, but I really have a completely different heart. I'm not in the earthquake. I'm not in the, the fire. I'm not in the windstorm even. I'm in the still small voice. Can we hear his voice today? The only way we're going to do that if, we're is if we are at rest. When you want to hear something, what do you say? Shh. Isn't that true? You thought you heard something, so you say to everyone, shh. You lost your phone, you're trying to hear it. You're dialing, shh. What I want to tell you today is God is saying, shh. You want to walk with me? I have a word for you. But you have to listen. There's almost all this noise in the world. There's noise going on in our lives. Are you listening? I'm not in all the windstorm. I'm not in the earthquake. I'm not in the fire. You're going to walk with me. You have to listen. You have to listen. For the Son of Man is not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another, another village. Now, the interesting thing about the end of Elijah's life, after he came down from the mountain, you'll find his ministry was very different. I'm, I'm not going to go into every detail. 
But we know that near the end of his life, everybody knew something was about to happen. And so Elisha decided, I'm going to walk everywhere you're going. Everywhere you're going, I'm going to. That should be our heart. God, wherever you're going, that's where I want to be. Wherever your service is, that's where I want to be. Wherever your word says, that's where I want to be. Because that's the only way we're going to ensure to get the double portion. Because Elijah told him, if you see me when I go, you're going to get the double portion. Amen. Now, the interesting thing is it seems as if Elijah was trying to move around and test him. He kept on going different places and said, you can stay here. He said, oh, no, I'm not staying here. I'm, I'm coming wherever you are. Wherever you are, I'm coming. Amen. Now, the funny thing is that there is a, a, a crossing point in where certain characters in the Old Testament meet. I'm going to look at this. In Deuteronomy 34, verse 1, when Moses was about to die, everybody knew that too. Everybody knew that too. And Moses went up from the plains of Moab. God had told Moses, because you disobeyed me, you're not going to get to lead the people into Canaan. You're not going to do it in your lifetime. But I'm going to let you see. I'm going to let you see the promised land. So he, he allowed Moses to go up into this mountain over by Jericho to look out into the promised land. And Moses went up from the plains of Moab unto the mountain of Nebo to the top of Pisgah. Then the Bible tells us this interesting point. That is over against the city of Jericho. Now, Jericho is actually, at least many archaeologists believe that that is uh, one of the oldest cities in the whole world. In fact, uh, there have been many civilizations they found when they've dug on. Jericho is supposedly the oldest city in the Middle East that they have detected. But where Moses disappeared or died is he went up on the mountain just over River Jordan. On the other side, he could see the city of what? Jericho. And I say it's a strange meeting place. And the Lord showed him all the land of Gilead unto Dan. And Gilead means, anyone remember? Witness. Witness. God showed him supernaturally the promised land. Though he himself physically at that time did not go over. Now, a few hundred years later, here comes Elijah and he goes to Bethel. 2 Kings 2.4. We'll pick up the story where I read it a little bit before. And Elijah said to Elisha, Tarry here and I pray thee, for the Lord hath sent me now to where? Jericho. Remember now, Moses went up this mountain, Mount Nebo, which is opposite Jericho, on the other side of the Jordan. But Elijah said, Elisha says, I'm not letting you go. I'm going to follow you where you're going. So he follows him to Jericho. So they came to Jericho. And the sons of the prophet that were at Jericho came to Elisha and said, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he answered, Yea, I know it. Hold your peace. And then Elijah tells him, I'm going to cross over to the Jordan. So now, remember, Mount Nebo is on this side of the Jordan. Jericho's on this side. Mount Nebo is where almost a thousand years before, Moses had gone up and disappeared or believed to be dead, right? 
for the Lord had sent me to Jordan. So now he comes to Jericho and he's now at the same place where a thousand years before, 800 years before Israel had come into the promised land to the spot where God had parted the river Jordan and the children of Israel had walked over. Now he's going back that way and he's opposite to the mountain where Moses went up. And he said, as the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And the two went on. Now, it doesn't say what happened going this way. But you know what I believe happened? Elijah took his mantle and he struck the river and it parted. The reason why I believe that is because coming back, Elijah says, I'm going to try that too. <laughs> so the only way he could have known that is if he had seen that happen. So Elijah crosses over and he's now at the same place that Moses went up the mountain and disappeared. And Elijah took the mantle and wrapped it together and smote the waters and they were divided thither and the two went over on dry ground. God did another miracle. So they crossed over and it, it, it has several names to the Abarim Mountains, which is Mount Nebo. It's the same, same place. So now what I'm trying to show you is this time there was a missing element. Going back to the cave, and I know I'm jumping around because it's hard to tell this story. But you remember what, what there was in the cave? There was the fire, the wind, right? And the dust. What was missing? The water was missing. Why? What does the water represent? The blessing. But the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake, and after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. Because after this event, his ministry changed. His ministry after this event was only with the element of water. Do you see? He hit the water on the Jordan, and it parted. And we see this fulfilled in his namesake in the New Testament. Who is Elijah's namesake? Who Jesus said was after the spirit of Elijah. And what did John the Baptist do? What was his element? Repent. And where did John the Baptist go to baptize people? You look it up in the Bible. In the Jordan. See, that was the missing element. See, the, the, after God changed him, the only of the four elements that was left was not the fire to come and burn people up or the earthquake or all of that, but it was the element of God's blessing. How do we get blessed when we go down in that water? The Bible says it's for the remission, the removal, the complete uh, 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 um, scrubbing of our sins. That is a blessing. That when we come up, the Bible says he has cast our sins Never to be remembered anymore. See, God took away the element of judgment from Elijah. He took away the earthquake and all of those things. And he left him now with the element. After that, you'll see that when he was about to go now, it was the water was the miracle. He hit the water and it parted. Was not in the fire, but he was in the water. So the spirit of Elijah that we see today is the element of the water. 
We're not here to call down judgment and fire on people. That's not our place. John 1, 26. John answered and said, I baptize thee with water. But there standeth one among you. See, because the fire and all of that belongs to who? Whom he know not. He is coming after me. He's preferred before me in whose shoes latches I am not worthy to unloose. These things in the Bible tells us where. We're done at Beth Bara, at the house. Bara means creation. Beyond Jordan, where John was baptizing. It's the same place where Elijah crossed over and was raptured. So the spirit of Elijah is a spirit of blessing. It's not the spirit of condemnation. The Bible says that we we can come boldly to a throne of grace. There we can receive mercy. I don't know about you. I need mercy. I need God's grace. I need his love. I need his blessing. Amen. Amen. And that's why we come now every Sunday because we have the washing of the word. That's what's happening today. I'm being washed. You're being washed because we are hearing God's word. Not my words, his words. His words. And when we hear that word, you know what? We're being washed. We're receiving the blessing. Because Jesus said, the words that I speak, they are spirit and they are life. When he washed their feet, and you see the the spirit in the New Testament is one of water. Because what one one of the last things Jesus did, he washed their feet. He washed their feet. And he said, if you don't let me do this, you have no part with me. You don't understand what I'm doing now, but later you will understand. Amen? Later you will understand. So Bethany beyond Jordan, if you look it up, it is right the same place opposite Jericho. You see how God arranged it? That the same place, Mount Nebo, where Moses got to go up and see the land, the same place where um, Joshua led them across was the same place where many years later, Elijah comes now to be caught up. And it's the same place where Elisha comes back the other way and hits the water and says, where is the God of Elijah? It's a strange meeting place, I called it. Now, many years later, in Jesus' day, the week before he is caught up, He takes his disciples to the same place. And after six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up into a high mountain. How do we know it's the same mountain? Well, if you read the scriptures before that, they were up in Galilee, and they were on their way to Jerusalem. But he didn't want to be in Judah because he didn't want them to be arrested, so he took this route and came down to the Jordan to the same place, and was transfigured before them. And his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as light. And guess who's at this same mountain? And behold, there appeared unto them Moses, and in the New Testament it's called Elias, Elijah. See, we're going to have a strange meeting We're almost at the end of the 6,000th year. 
And just like he took Elijah up, God is going to take us up. God is going to take us up. Amen. Romans 3.21 says, And now the righteousness of God without the law is manifest, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. There were so many things being fulfilled in what Jesus did here. The Bible says the law was given by and grace and truth came by. So here on the mountain we have Moses representing the law, right? What does it say in Romans 3.21? It says, And now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by Moses and the prophets. Who's the major prophet? Elijah. Do you understand how that, that scripture was literally fulfilled? The righteousness was Christ. They witnessed Christ. Amen. And behold, there appeared unto him Moses and Elijah talking with him. So we see, I don't know if you can see it, Moses representing the law and the prophet Elijah representing the prophets. He's, he's the ma- one of the major prophets. And of course, Jesus, the righteousness of God. 1 Corinthians 1.30 But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. God arranged this little thing to show us and to teach us something in so many ways. First of all, Moses died before Christ, right? Elijah was raptured. In the book of Hebrews, it speaks about Moses and said, choosing rather to suffer for the witness reproaches for the reproach of Christ. And you have to ask the question, when did Moses meet Christ? Well, he met him all right. When he went up on that mountain and he said, can I see you? He said, I, I, if I will hide you in the cleft of the rock. The Bible tells us that that rock that followed them in the wilderness was Christ. They had to walk following that cloud. Today we have to walk following the Spirit. Luke 16, 16 tells us something interesting. Remember now, John was the fulfillment of the prophecy of the prophet Elijah. It said, the law, Moses, and the prophets Elijah were until the prophet John. Since that time, the kingdom of God is preached or proclaimed, and every man presseth into it. It is a press. It's not a cakewalk. You're not going to walk into the kingdom of God. It's going to be a fight because Satan is going to try and stop you. Satan is going to try and block you. There's going to be tribulations. There's going to be things to, to, to take away your faith. But Jesus said, I've prayed for you. I have prayed that your faith fail not. And here's one of my favorite scriptures. It says, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to for everyone that what? Believeth. Do you believe today? Amen. See, God took Enoch and God took Elijah for a purpose. Amen. Because the Bible says that let everything be established under the, 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 the witness of two witnesses. There's got to be two witnesses. Hebrews 9.27. You can stand with me. I'm almost finished. Amen. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. And two people were recorded as not dying yet. 
right? Enoch and Elijah. So who has not died? The answer is Enoch and Elijah. The two people who were taken before death are Enoch and Elijah. Genesis 5.24, and Enoch walked with God and was not, for God took him. And it came to pass when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind that Elijah went with Elijah from Gilgal. So there are two people that were recorded not to die. Now, for everything to make it legal, God has got two witnesses. Deuteronomy 19.15 says, One witness shall not rise up against a man for any iniquity or for any sin in, that, that, in the sin that he sinneth. At the mouth of two witnesses or at the mouth of three witnesses shall the matter be established. And when we come to Revelation, the Bible tells us that there are two witnesses. Now, I can't prove it, but I'll tell you what I think. I think it's Enoch and Elijah. And I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy 1,203 score days. That's three and a half years. Remember, his ministry in Elijah was always in, in times of three and a half years. These are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. And if any man will hurt them, fire proceedeth out of their mouth and devoureth their enemies. Now you're going to say, well, I thought God was done with fire. He is during the church age. After the rapture, it's going to be back to medieval times. <laughs> you don't want to be around here. The Bible says he will be coming back with flaming fire, taking vengeance. Amen. These are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks before the God of the earth. And if any man will hurt them, fire proceedeth out of their mouth and devoureth their enemies. If any man will kill them, he must in this manner be killed. These have the power to shut heaven that it rain not. Just like Elijah. They have power over the waters to turn them to blood and to smite the earth with all plagues as often as they will. You see... The Bible is always telling us in advance what God is going to do. Jude 1.14. We find the name Enoch in the book of Genesis. We don't find his name again until we come to the second to the last book. And what is he doing? He's prophesying. He's saying, behold, the Lord cometh with 10,000 of his saints. Hallelujah. See, we want, if we're going to walk with God, to be in the first resurrection. Amen. That's what we are called to be. We're called to be in the first resurrection. These two witnesses are finally killed, fulfilling Hebrews where it says it's appointed unto all men wants to die. But guess what? They are resurrected. Verse 11 of Revelation 11, and after three days and a half, the spirit of life from God, just like Jesus, who was in the grave three and a half days, entered into them, and they stood upon their feet, and great fear fell upon them which saw them. Well, this whole month we've been talking about walking with God. I hope that you have been encouraged. I just want to end it with a few more scriptures and then we will dismiss. Here's Paul saying, Therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, I beseech you. He said, I plead with you, I beg you, that he walk worthy of the vocation, of the calling wherewith ye are called. Colossians 1.10, he says, that he might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being full, fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. 1 Thessalonians 2.12, that he would walk worthy of God who hath called you into his kingdom and glory. Last scripture, Revelation 3, for that thou hast a few names, even in Milwaukee. I know it says Sardis. 
which have not defiled their garments. And they sh- they shall walk with me. For they are worthy. We can't make ourselves worthy. But we can separate ourselves from things that defile. And with the Holy Spirit, He can declare us worthy. He can call those things that are not as though they be. Hallelujah. If you could bow your hearts with me. Father, we thank you for this month of study, of walking with you, Lord. Even as Enoch walked with you, as Elijah walked with you, Lord, I pray, Lord, that that blessing of rivers of living water will pour down into our lives, through our lives. Oh, God, that we will build our relationship with you. Lord, that we will never let you out of our sight, Lord God, that we will walk with you, Lord God, that we will pick up our cross, that we will be faithful, hallelujah, that we will be counted worthy, that our name will be written in the Lamb's book of life. Lord, we thank you for all that you're doing right now, Jesus. We ask for your Holy Spirit to overshadow us. Lord God, we ask you to bless our second service. Let your power and your spirit have liberty to touch, to move, hallelujah, to lift up, to cleanse, to deliver, to heal. We give you all the praise and the honor and the glory and we give you thanks for your mercy and your grace in Jesus name. Let's give God a praise offering this morning.